the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Heart disease kills more women than cancer, diabetes, and stroke. It will claim the lives of one in three women, killing more than 400,000 each year. The good news is that a majority of these cases may be prevented through education and lifestyle changes. Joining us today to talk about the female heart and how we can change our genetic potential is Dr. Mark Menelisino, author of the book, Heart Solution for Women, a proven program to prevent and reverse heart disease. Dr. Mark is the medical director of the Menno Clinic, Center for Functional Medicine. He is board certified as an internal medicine specialist, board certified in holistic medicine, and board certified in advanced hormone management and anti-aging medicine. Welcome, Dr. Mark. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Joan. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Doctor, the rate of heart disease for women is an alarming statistic. Is this number on the rise? It is, and really all heart disease, uh, it it started to go down a little bit with all the new technology that we developed and the deaths from heart disease, but now it's starting to rise with the increase in diabetes and the increase in obesity and really all chronic illnesses increasing, including heart disease, particularly for women. So do you believe the root cause then is what? Lifestyle, um, lack of exercise? What do you believe is at the, at really <laughs> the heart of the issue? <laughs> That's a great point, Joan. And In my book, I talk about all the different things that really come together to sabotage a woman's health. Women are this beautiful symphony, and it's their hormones, their endocrine system, their digestion system, the way they fend off inflammation, and it changes during a woman's life. So it really depends on where you're at and what your particular challenges are. But we've really developed a society of less exercise, higher stress, less nutritious food, more toxins in our environment. There's just so much stacked up against us that just makes it harder and harder to be healthy. Dr. Mark, do men and women present heart issues differently? Well, think, Joan. Do you ever remember seeing a movie of a woman clutching her chest and dropping to the ground with a heart attack? No. No, but we see it with men. And the classic is the elephant standing on my chest, and that's how men tend to present. For women, it can be much more subtle. It might feel like an anxious moment or even an anxiety attack. A lot of times it's nausea or digestive issues or heartburn. So it comes much differently and presents differently in women. And that's why it gets missed so much. Well, what you just described, I mean, I know that those are things that I could experience at any moment of any day. So how can we tell the difference between something that might be benign and a serious condition? Well, it's difficult. And what I tell my clients is that if you think it's your heart, get checked out because you're never wrong if you're not having a problem. But if you are having a problem and don't get checked out, you might be dead wrong. The problem with heart disease is that the first symptom in half the people with heart disease is a sudden death heart attack. You don't get a second chance. That's why we talk about in the book all of the things you should be doing to protect yourself. And most doctors are not trained at this cutting-edge medicine of functional personalized medicine to prevent a problem for you. So, Doctor, my mom had heart disease. She had major heart surgery and then later on ended up passing away from complications of a stroke. I'm sorry. Um, for someone like me, what roles do genes play in whether or not it's passed on? Well, we were taught in medical school that genes are your destiny and that you have a fixed future to be who your parents were or your grandparents were. 
the beautiful news that is empowering is that your genetics are changeable. You change what your genetics express based on your the choices you make. So your genes load the gun, your choices pull the trigger. So we now know that genes, this concept of epigenetics, you can turn on good genes with good choices and you can turn on bad genes with bad choices. So you have the ability in your lifestyle choices to turn on the good genes or turn off the bad genes. Dr. Mark, you had mentioned that female hormones have a role in heart disease. So what part do the adrenal and the thyroid glands have in heart health? Well, Joan, I see it as this beautiful symphony. The thyroid and the adrenal have this intimate relationship we're just understanding. And there's millions of women that have thyroid problems that are not diagnosed because the ranges haven't been corrected at most labs. The TSH test, uh, if it's ever over 3.0, look at your most recent lab test. You probably have a thyroid problem. And 40% of the women who are on thyroid medicine are inadequately treated. So even when we identify it, we don't personalize it enough. And it's that whole symphony. They all have to work together and be a supporting cast for a woman to feel her best and be protected against things like heart disease. What can we do to support the adrenals and the thyroid that may not mean medication? For someone like me, I, I hate the thought of taking any type of meds. So are there things that we can be doing naturally that can support the systems in keeping our heart healthy? Oh, Joan, you know, I get this asked, I get asked this three or four times a day, and and none of us like medications, but they do have a role when they're needed. So I'm an internist. I do use medications when needed, but we all want to know what we can do to avoid them. And it's really the lifestyle choices. The first thing is, what are you eating on a given day? Can you make healthier choices with less carbohydrates, less processed food, less sugary food, uh, more organic if you can find it and afford it? So it's really looking at the food you do. How about sleep? That's one of the things you can control the most. Get rid of all the electronics in your room. Your bed is only for sleep. You shouldn't be eating in there, watching TV, reading. Turn the phone off. Leave it on airplane mode. Ideally, put it in a separate room when you go to bed. So there are these sleep parts that you can do, and sleep and clean food and clean water are probably the things you can control the most. Now, Doctor, this I found fascinating. You say that childhood trauma can be a big contributor to heart disease, even decades later. So what types of trauma are we talking about? Well, the uh, Center for Disease Control launched a large study uh, now 30 years ago looking at adverse childhood experiences. It's called the ACE score, A-C-E. You can, it's in the book. You can take it in the book or go online and find it. But it looks at the risk of health issues later in life based on the experiences you had as a child. There's a lot of trauma in our world, and this trauma can lead to uh, behaviors, habits, and, and chemical patterns in the body that make you more prone to have disease later in life, from heart disease to liver disease to mood disorders. And it's something that I think everyone should look at. We look at it every single client that comes in. So lately, I've been on this new, I have this new concept where I decided that I want to stick around uh, a little bit longer. And I'm trying to figure out a way to get off the yo-yo dieting roller coaster that I've been on for all these years. And, And I want to learn more about how my body type plays into what I should eat for, you know, the best metabolism and for health. So what are the main body types in women and which ones put us at the greatest risk for heart disease? Well, Joan, you're asking great questions. And, you know, the problem with the diets or the first three letters are die. Yes. So we don't (laughs) believe in diets. We believe in personalized nutrition plans. And so everybody's different how you respond to certain foods and how you respond to other foods. And there is no magic diet that's out there. One of the things you look at is, is in your body type, and there are clues that the body tells us about how you use nutrition. Do you have little bumps in the back of your arm? Is your tongue coated? What are your fingernails like? All that tells us about is the food even getting to its source when you eat it. But for women, we see especially kind of a pear-shaped body type versus an apple-type body shape. And the apple type tends to hold more of the body fat in the midsection. And, you know, none of us like too much outside body fat. But as a doctor who cares about you, it's the inside body fat, what I call the hot fat or the visceral inflammatory fat. That's what drives all disease. This issue of fatty livers is an epidemic that's happening in our society due to things like diabetes. But your body shape tells you right away, 
is it an insulin problem, blood sugar problem, inflammation problem, or is it more of a thyroid adrenal hormone problem? And so the apple is more of the inflammation, insulin, blood sugar issue. The pear is more of a hormonal issue. Then we have those other women who I like to call the skinny fat, where they look lean, but that hot internal visceral fat is actually very, very high. In our office, we have a machine that checks your outer and your inner body fat to look for those sneaky people that are hiding that body fat, because that's really the scary inflammatory fat that can lead to bad things for people. And that would have been my mother, because if you looked at her, she was very thin, and she had a very fast metabolism, we always said, but she ended up having heart disease. Well, you know, you talked about, and I'm certified in anti-aging, but I don't really believe in anti-aging. I don't really want to live to 120, but I want to be 80 and ski with my kids Mm -hmm. and my grandkids. So it's really about this optimal vitality, this optimal aging. And that's really what I think we're all shooting for. So what can you tap into and what do you like to do? What are your passions that we can align all of those? Because you make the choice every day with your fork. And it's really what you do, what you put in your body to really determine what are you going to be like at 85? Because again, we can change the outcome of our genes based on our choices of stress management, sleep, and nutrition. It's a really exciting time. Doctor, a few moments ago, you mentioned that our body gives us subtle clues to whether or not there could be something going on with our heart. In addition to the type of body that we have, what are some other signs that we could look for that might be an indicator that it's time to see the doctor? Well, the first time I met a Chinese practitioner, she looked at my fingernails for 10 minutes and told me all of these things that were true about my health. So I became fascinated in um, Chinese acupuncture, Chinese nutrition, Ayurvedic, and naturopathics, because they look at the body. So in your fingernails, little white spots can mean a zinc deficiency. Lines and ridges and striations can mean poor absorption in the digestive tract. We see um, scallops, tongue, like a, a serrated steak knife on the side of the tongue that can be low thyroid. We see patches on the tongue which can be related to poor nutrient absorption or iron deficiency or a bright red tongue. We see what they call, unflatteringly, the buffalo hump or a large collection of fat on the back of the neck that can be insulin resistant. Little skin tags on the eyelids that can be high triglycerides, one of the cholesterols. We see little bumps on the back of the arm that can be fatty acid, poor absorption, or even food sensitivities. So you see a lot in the body even before we start asking or taking any lab tests, we can tell a lot about the body's health just by listening and by observing. So it's a good practice for us to get in tune with our body, to even stand in front of a mirror and study it and get to know what we look like on quote unquote normally and when there might be some subtle changes. And in the book, we have different descriptions of how you can do a lot of this medicine yourself. Now, you have to be careful trying to become Dr. Google, but I'd ask everyone to empower themselves about their own health. Listen to shows like yours, Joan, and there's so much great information that's being provided. So when you go to see your doctor, you have an agenda and a plan and get what you need from your doctor. Dr. Mark, we're hearing so much these days about the gut-brain connection. How does this connection factor into heart disease? Well, you know, we call the gut the second brain, and it might actually be the first brain. Serotonin is one of the mood chemicals, and everybody thinks all of it is in your brain. 90% of it is in your gut. So a lot of the chemicals that your gut makes and uses are the same ones that your brain uses. And the vagus nerve is a nerve that runs through your entire body, talks to every single organ, and it starts in the brain. So there's a a chemical relationship, an immune and neurotransmitter relationship, and a direct physical nervous tissue link from the brain to the gut. And I think we're just learning how what happens to the gut happens to the brain. That's why things, you feel them in the pit of your stomach, why events can be gut-wrenching. We have these colloquial terms that we've had throughout history that really have spoken of that relationship, and now science is really helping us describe. The beauty of it is when you're good to your gut, you're good to your brain. So what should we be eating then on a daily basis to be good to our gut, brain, and heart? Well, we all are talking about the probiotics, which are the little bacteria inside of us. What's fascinating, Joan, is that there's 10 times more bacterial cells in your body than human cells. Half of the DNA that's in your body, that's the genetic code, it's not yours. It's this bacterial balance in your gut. And so the probiotics are important, but the prebiotics, which are what the probiotics eat, are even more important. 
and you don't have to buy them at the health food store. They're in your food. It's the fiber that's in your food. It's the pickled vegetables, the kimchi, the sauerkraut, all those things that we were always told to eat that we don't know much about or don't like. But they do really, the food that you eat feeds that ecosystem. And uh, if you need an antibiotic, you need an antibiotic. But if you're doing everything else right, you protect that environment so you don't have the damage that the antibiotic can do on that system. It's crucial to your overall health. And we say in functional medicine, it all starts with the gut. And so what are the things that we should be avoiding? What is your philosophy on eating grains, dairy, sugar, processed foods? Well, the easy answer to that list is the processed foods. The less, the better. We just, it's, it's abysmal what we're providing for our kids in schools and what most of us tend to be eating, the fast food, the high fructose corn syrup, the processed food. So really trying to eat clean food. And one great source is the Environmental Working Group. EWG.org talks about the clean 15 and the dirty dozen. It's a great place to start to look at clean food. It's really the berries, the dairies, and the meats. That's where most of your toxins are because they're not protected. And so really trying to figure out what is best for you and eating a whole balanced diet. And the Mediterranean diet, if you were to challenge me, I'd say probably is the best. So not all grains are bad and not all grains are bad for all people. The healthy whole grains tend to be okay for some, but for some they just don't seem to be good. So it's really developing a panel for you. And there's actually a food sensitivity test we do here in our office that can personalize what foods your body does well with versus what foods cause it to fire off inflammation. Doctor, if someone thinks they have a problem with their heart, what types of tests should be done in order to make a diagnosis? Well, thank you for asking, Joe, because in medical school, we're taught about the basic cholesterol panel, and you look at the good part and the bad part, and you make a decision based on a risk score. Well, I think that's so not personalized, and it's so 1975. What we now have is a technology to break apart the cholesterol into the very small inflammatory particles, and so there's good parts and bad parts of cholesterol, and even if your cholesterol is high, if it's full of the good parts, your risk is not the same as if it's the same high number but full of the bad parts. So we call it a fractionation or a cholesterol fractionated test where it breaks up the cholesterol into the smallest, stickiest parts. And those people with those need to be more aggressive at lowering it. And some people will need medications. But to decide who does, for men we do a calcium score and for women we do a carotid intima media thickness. That's a fancy word for an ultrasound of the neck that looks at the, the lining level. So to really personalize your risk, and we can find the canaries in the coal mine. The people who are at risk for having a heart attack can be identified by these blood tests and by these imaging tests. And if you do a stress test, you have to do the right kind, stress ultrasound for women and stress nuclear study for men. So we don't like to radiate women's chests because we're worried about the risk of radiation. So we use ultrasound whenever we can. So the, the testing is out there. Your doctor may not, not even have heard about it. If you look at the book, it describes all the tests that you need and then how to do a one, two, three perfect view so that you're never at risk. And it's not expensive. It's something everybody can do and ask their doctor. But your doctor may not know it, so you could teach them about it. Doctor, for someone who may not have taken the best care of him or herself over the years, and there's damage, once the damage is found or or the abuse on the body has been revealed. Is it ever too late to repair the problem? Oh, that's such a great question. I, I don't think it's ever too late. What we find is even people who smoke after they quit, 10 years after they quit, their cancer risk is the same as someone who never smoked. So the data shows that you do get kind of a second chance. And I would just encourage everybody, start now and make one change. Maybe you take a walk with your spouse, your child, your dog, after dinner. Make that the one thing you do and just do 10 minutes. Don't feel like you have to climb a mountain and start all over and, and do everything perfect. Find something that you like to do, that you want to do, and add that one at a time. And what you'll find is after you do one thing, you'll start doing more. You'll park at the end of the parking lot. You'll take the stairs at work. You'll do a couple laps around the um, outside lanes of the grocery store before you shop. You'll just do a little bit more and one plus one equals 10. That's the beauty of all these lifestyle choices. 
The book is Heart Solution for Women, a proven program to prevent and reverse heart disease. If you would like to get more information about Dr. Mark and his work, you can visit themenoclinic.com. Doctor, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? Well, I don't think that there's enough love and support on our planet and for each other. And the Mediterranean diet, its success may be that they ate as a family, as a unit, as a group, share a meal with someone, find people around you that have the same health motives, and then do it with a partner, do it with a family member, do it with your pet. Uh, Make it a social event because it's the social connections that keep us all together. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us and for providing information that can help us take back our power and be good to our heart. This information is truly life-saving, so thank you. Thank you, Joan. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. How much can the right foods do for you? A lot more than weight control. The right foods can increase your energy, improve your outlook, and strengthen your body's natural defenses. What foods can do all that? Primo Health Solutions will show you using metabolic typing. This remarkable program lets your body tell you what it needs to work best. Call them today at 347-903-7030. That's 347-903-7030. Or go to PrimoHealthSolutions.com. Using metabolic typing, Primo Health Solutions will let your body work best. Hi, this is Joan Herman, host of Conversations with Joan. I'm excited to announce that we're taking the show on the road, and the first stop is the New York Open Center. Please join me on Sunday, July 21st at 10 a.m. when my guest is Colleen Kelly Alexander, author of Gratitude in Motion. Colleen was hit by a multi-ton freight liner. Her body was mangled from the waist down and drained of its blood. She was resuscitated twice and remained in a coma for over five weeks. Colleen endured multiple surgeries as her body struggled to heal, but Colleen did not just survive. Today, she thrives. To honor the EMTs and medical professionals who saved her life, she has completed 50 races and 40 triathlons. Colleen is truly a miracle. I hope you'll join us. For more information, visit cyacyl.com slash events. That's cyacyl.com slash events. And be sure to tune into Conversations with Joan every Sunday night at 10 p.m. right here on AM 970 The Answer. is Alexis Brink, president of the Jin Shin Institute located in New York City. Alexis has been a practitioner of the art of Jin Shin since 1991. Alexis has taught self-help classes and workshops in New York City as well as different countries for many years. She has taught Jin Shin in hospitals to nurses and to teachers and their students in the public school system. Today, the Jin Shin Institute, under Alexis's guidance, offers a comprehensive curriculum to a new generation of practitioners and teachers. Alexis is the author of The Art of Jinshin. She's here today to discuss the benefits of Jinshin. Welcome, Alexis. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be on your show. Alexis, tell us a little bit about Jinshin. What is The Art of Jinshin? The Art of Jinshin, it's a Japanese energy healing modality. And it's similar to acupuncture, but we use our hands instead of needles. We use the hands to balance the left and right side of the body. And when the body gets out of harmony, it means that either the right side or the left side goes faster. So we apply our hands to certain, um, we call them safety energy locations, to certain areas of the body to bring back harmony. So how did you get interested in this type of work? Well, I, was, I came to New York to be a dancer from Holland, and I got this knee injury. And uh, I, I couldn't completely resolve it with acupuncture, so a friend of mine took me to watch a session with him. And the lady who was working on him, uh, who later became my teacher, she said, so what with you? And so I told her about my knee project, and she did something to my toes, and she taught me some self-help to take home, and I went back to rehearsal the next day. So I took a, a workshop with her the following week, and um, I said, this is what I want to do with my life. It just made so much sense to me because it made me feel like there was something bigger than myself, and it's the connection to this source energy. And so that's what we work with, 
It's um, balancing the body and bringing it back into rhythm with universal energy, which is where we can heal. So you got interested in the practice because of a knee injury. Who else is this good for? Who else can benefit? Well, Jinchen is really for everybody because when the energy flows uh, correctly in the body, then the body heals itself. So my clients, they vary from cancer patients who it helps with, uh, you know, when they have chemotherapy and radiation, it helps them with the side effects of treatments to people that have backaches, migraines, blood pressure issues, heart issues, cardiovascular issues, and then again, just harmonizing the energy in the body the uh, the body can function optimally and and then I also give them self-help that they take home and so they can work on themselves every day and this is what this book is about it's a self-help book the art of Jinshin uh, it's at some Amazon right now for pre-order and the publication date is June 25th and it's the the full program of self-help from building a, a daily self-help routine to to symptoms like people will, can look up blood pressure or stomach ache and there's a one simple hold how to harmonize it. Alexis can you share with us something that our listeners can do at home? Yes so um, so the easiest there two very easy things the first one is the breath because without breathing energy cannot move and then the second easiest thing is holding each of the fingers because each of the fingers is a, is related to an emotional attitude and um the emotional attitudes when emotions get stuck and are not moving they cause a, uh, they cause disharmony and disease or what can develop into a disease or you know or an illness or a label so when you Hold the biggest one today is fear, and you hear a lot of young people, and including my college-aged son, talking about this. Is that this generation they have a lot of fear, and life goes so fast. So to slow down and harmonize the emotion of fear, you can hold your index finger, and so you simply just hold it, wrap around your one hand around your index finger, and breathe, and just hold it for a minute or two minutes. And each of the fingers is related to to organ functions and an element, Chinese uh, medicine elements, a color, a day, a flavor, um, an astrological sign, a planet. So by holding the fingers, you're helping so many things. So I would like to go briefly through that. So when you hold your thumb, you help to harmonize the emotion of worry. And when you hold your index finger, you help to harmonize the emotion of fear. And the middle finger, you help anger. And the ring finger, you help sadness and grief. And then the little finger, you help to trying too hard or efforting or pretense. And then the palm of the hands, you help everything. It's all-inclusive. You're helping all of those other energies. Alexis, so, does it does it matter which hand we use and how long do we have to hold it? Well, you can hold it for one minute or take three conscious exhalations so that you take three breaths per finger and palm, which adds up on both hands, and that adds up to 36 breaths. And that is a wonderful thing for daily maintenance. You asked which side, and that's also an interesting question. Um, you can go to the hand which feels comfortable for you or natural, and uh, the left side of the body has to do with our genetic stuff and predispositions uh, for, you know, what we came into the world with to service, because why does it sometimes come up? And for some people and for others, it doesn't, you know. So that's manifested in the left side of the body. And then the right side of the body has to do with our lifestyle and what's going on today. So if you're very, very stressed, it probably feels nice to hold your right fingers, but you can see whatever feels comfortable for you. Alexis, thank you so much for joining us. If our listeners would like to get more information 
about Alexis and her work, you can visit jinshininstitute.com. And as always, to hear more from Alexis, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Alexis. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. We cure 80% of children with cancer. Go back 50 years, we were curing 20 to 30%. This is the miracle story of modern medicine. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. This is WNYM, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. back to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. At the age of 23, today's guest, Anne Berube's life was interrupted by a near-fatal car accident. Trapped in the car, unable to breathe, she had a vision that forever changed her life's path. The following years were marked by chronic pain, emotional turmoil, and fatigue. That journey led to insights around self-healing, inner peace, and soul realization. Anne is here today to discuss how to prioritize being and feeling in order to experience life fully. Anne is the author of the book, Be, Feel, Think, Do. Welcome, Anne. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Joan. So, Anne, let's start off by talking about your experience. What happened to you when you were 23? I was coming back from a game of golf with some friends. And the driver of the car I was sitting in the front uh, passenger seat took a left turn onto oncoming traffic. And on the impact of a half-ton truck hitting our car on the impact, my liver lacerated in half and my lungs partially collapsed and I lost consciousness. And when I was unconscious, I had a vision. I saw my life. I saw the life that I was supposed to live, but not the one that I was living. And in retrospect, I didn't have any words then to explain what had happened. Mm -hmm. It was like my body had been jarred so violently that I was able to see and feel this existence that I was meant to live. And at that time, I was making wrong choices and going down the wrong path. So when I woke up in the hospital the next day, realizing that I had made it through, I made a commitment to myself to begin living differently. And when were you able to put all of the pieces together so that it all made sense for you, what had happened? I would say probably 10 years later, what I was able to put all the pieces together because um, I didn't have a frame of reference for people to talk to about the spiritual experience that had happened. Um, it was so new and foreign to me, and there was no one around me I could really share that with without sounding a little crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, so after the accident, you suffered from chronic pain. And then you had various physical and emotional issues that you were dealing with. So when were you able to turn this around? How did that happen? One, I was in the middle of doing my PhD and writing my thesis. And I was dealing with um, sinus pain in my head, but it had been, it lasted for two years. And I had been invited to go to a leadership course. It was called Women in Leadership. And had the title been different, I don't know if I would have gone, Mm -hmm. but the title lured me in and it appealed to my intellect. But when I walked into the course, the teacher was talking about a leadership that comes from a different place within, connected to our emotions, to our feelings, to our intuition, to the feminine energy within ourselves. And as she was talking, Joan, the pressure in my head was getting worse and worse, and I didn't understand what she was talking about. She was instructing us to breathe deeply, and the women around me were crying, and I felt so frustrated and annoyed, and I wanted to leave. I wanted to, I was waiting for her to take a break in her talk so I could get up, go to the washroom, and just not come back. But she never took that break. (laughs) And she looked at me and she said, Anne, are you okay? She could feel the pressure rising in me. And she said, I invite you to take that 
deep, deep breath. And and my mind said, don't do that. You will lose control if you do that. And my heart was saying, you have to do this. So I took a deep counterintuitive breath, Joan. And on the other side of that breath, I was the next one in a mess of snot and tears (laughs) and sounds were coming out of my mouth. But there was such a healing moment for my body. And that night I went home and my pain was gone. And it hasn't come back since. And what happened that day is I discovered everything below the neck, right? Because I used to live solely in my mind and my intellect, managing and controlling every part of myself. And I didn't know I was holding so much emotional baggage, which was affecting my physical body. Was that the moment when you learned the difference between being and feeling? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So, So tell us what that difference is. Explain it. So I used to engage my moment to moment from the opposite order. So do, think, feel, be, which I think a lot of us do because we've been taught that in order to have what we want, we need to control and manage our lives from our actions and our thoughts. And allowing yourself to go into our being at the base of our spine or into our belly, and I mean bringing our attention and our breath there, is a very different experience. It's connecting with another level of of reality inside ourselves, and it gives us access to more wisdom, to more intuition. And the feelings, once we move through the traumas that live in our bodies, we access this joy and this peace and this freedom. And so be, feel, think, do is a way of engaging our moment to moment from a very, just a different place that's uh, internally referenced and deeply grounded in, in the body, in the body. And then it connects us with our, with our soul. Once we heal ourselves, the veil becomes thinner and we have access to this energy that is our soul. And you have a chapter in your book entitled Heart, the New Brain, and and I love that title. Do you believe that we're becoming more heart-centered and and why is this shift occurring? I do believe it, Joan. I think we've misunderstood the rest of the body. We spend so much time focusing on the brain and what we're learning from the heart is that it has this capacity to process information faster and more efficiently than the brain. And there's a lot of study, and HeartMath Institute is is an organization that does a lot of study on the intelligence of the heart. And they say that its electromagnetic field is greater than the brain. So its capacity to connect and to feel and to integrate and to process and emit a response is more tremendous than we ever imagined. Mm -hmm. And what I find when I allow my heart to think or allow my heart to be the leader as opposed to my brain in any moment is I find that it becomes of service to my brain. It allows my thoughts to be new and creative and insightful as opposed to repetitive and the same old, same old from the day before. And happiness is something that eludes so many people. Why do you think that is? If we think of happiness as an externally referenced Thing that we are striving for, we will always be disappointed because we have expectations based on external things, so career, partner, um, material acquisitions. And when our identity and our um, sense of happiness is placed outside of ourselves, there will be a time when those things fade away and they're ephemeral, right? So they don't last. So if we can find a place to put that that identity and that sense of happiness that is sustainable, that is within, and that relates to a part of ourselves that, that is eternal and immortal, then we start to foster and nurture a happiness that is sustainable, that is always accessible to us. But it's very different than what we were taught. Can you share a strategy that you teach in your program? Absolutely. So one of the things that I talk in the book and I share and that I encourage in the program is deep breathing, conscious, full body breath. And that's something that, you know, people say, yeah, yeah, I breathe. (laughs) I don't have any problems with that, but we really don't. And it takes a long time to really realize how much we don't breathe well. And so 
one of the, and I have this meditation on my website, when we bring our attention at the base of our belly, of our spine and our belly, and we start by breathing in through the nose, reaching for the in-breath at the base of the spine or the lower belly, and then we fill up the belly first, and then fill up the lungs, and then the, the shoulders go back and down, and then at the top of the inhalation, when we feel like our, our bodies has as much oxygen as possible, we open the mouth and we breathe out through the mouth and we drop the jaw and there's a bit of a wave sound like this. When we breathe out, breathing like this for a few minutes really shifts everything. It shifts your uh, state. It can calm you down. It can help you heal. It can get, help you get perspective. I always remind people to come back to their bodies and come back to the breath. And when something really meaningful wants to move, so that's from epigenetics, the, the, the memories of traumas live in the cells of the body. When something wants to move, the breath is the tool and we use it to allow that information to move. And that means it can go away and go back home and free us. And in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What do you want to leave our listeners with? Trust yourself. You know. So there's a place inside yourself that knows without a shadow of a doubt your next step, what you should say, what you should do. And I encourage people to trust that more than outside opinions. And thank you so much for being here with us today and for sharing what you've learned. I'm so happy that you were able to survive that horrible accident and teach so many people these tools that can help them enhance their lives. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Dom, for having me. It's been such a pleasure talking with you. We'll be right back. Have you ever wondered if the drugs, surgery, and all the medical treatments prescribed by doctors are the only things that heal us? Could there be something more inside of us that plays a role in healing? I think there is. Hi, I'm Lori Gardner, registered nurse, patient advocate, and board-certified health and wellness coach. I am the CEO and founder of HealthLink Advocates, a firm dedicated to assisting people navigate our very complex healthcare system. We also provide coaching to individuals and groups that want to improve their health and well-being. As a registered nurse, I have always seen and felt that there was so much more to healing and good medical outcomes than medications, surgeries, and treatments. Don't get me wrong, medications and surgeries are life-saving. I recently read an excellent book by Dr. Wayne Jonas called How Healing Works. In his book, he writes about how only 20% of healing comes from the treatments your doctor prescribes, and that 80% comes from your unique response to the treatment. He notes that you can activate your own inherent healing processes and get your physician on board to help you accelerate healing. We can refer to this as integrative health. What most of us think produces good health actually does not. There is an inherent healing capacity within all of us that when properly released can produce remarkable recovery, health, and happiness. An important point in the book was that when we can link our healing to our purpose in life, that is when deep healing happens. My hope is that as the healthcare system becomes more aware of these important healing factors, patients will be able to tap into their inner healing abilities and experience better health and well-being. If you need a health and wellness coach to partner with you, please contact us at healthlinkadvocates.com. When you're having a conversation in relationship and it's somewhat controversial, you probably want to be heard and be right. Quite often that's what we want. And so we're maybe a little defensive, but is that right? Or do we want a result? The result being we'd like to get along. Hi, I'm Lindsay Levinson, Quality for Life Coaching. And they are two different things, getting along versus being heard and being right. See, because being heard and right is our defense, then that connects to our ego. But ego's not really going to get you that far. If you want a result, then you're going to want to work with humility and truth. So if you've got a difference of opinion, I mean, for me, I'll quickly look for a reason to say I'm sorry. And it has to be true. If I don't know what I've done yet, then I will say, I'm sorry you're hurting. I've done something wrong here because you're hurting. But let's talk further so we can figure this out. And you don't want to talk at someone by saying, 
saying you this and you that because people just shut their ears. You want to use words like we and use words like experience. I'm having this experience. I know your experience is different. There isn't a right or wrong. There's just different experiences going on here. So we just need to talk it through and land somewhere that feels really good for both of us. So you want to do a lot of that non-heated conversation so that you can both feel good, but nobody is charging at another person. It's not being heard and right. It's just working toward the positive result. Lindsay Levinson, qualityforlifecoaching.com. Look me up. I'd love to talk to you, help you in any way I might be able to. Hi, this is Joan Herman, host of Conversations with Joan. I'm excited to announce that we're taking the show on the road, and the first stop is the New York Open Center. Please join me on Sunday, July 21st at 10 a.m. when my guest is Colleen Kelly Alexander, author of Gratitude in Motion. Colleen was hit by a multi-ton freight liner. Her body was mangled from the waist down and drained of its blood. She was resuscitated twice and remained in a coma for over five weeks. Colleen endured multiple surgeries as her body struggled to heal, but Colleen did not just survive. Today, she thrives. To honor the EMTs and medical professionals who saved her life, she has completed 50 races and 40 triathlons. Colleen is truly a miracle. I hope you'll join us. For more information, visit cyacyl.com slash events. That's cyacyl.com slash events. And be sure to tune into Conversations with Joan every Sunday night at 10 p.m. right here on AM 970 The Answer. productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach On Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Linda Mitchell, a transformational life coach and reinvention expert who helps her clients move through life's challenges and transitions with purpose, passion, and clarity to emerge more powerful, fulfilled, and purposeful. Linda is here today to discuss controlling worry so it doesn't control you. Welcome, Linda. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Joan. It's always great to be here. So, Linda, worrying is a natural reaction to some of the things that life throws our way. But people worry so much that it becomes a habit that's hard to break. Can you talk Mm -hmm. with us a little bit about worry and what worry does to our bodies? Yes. So anyone who's a chronic worrier knows how draining it is. Worry depletes your energy. It robs you of joy and playfulness. It keeps you from being spontaneous and squashes your creativity. Excessive worry can even disrupt our regular activities and daily commitments. Chronic worry and anxiety leads to emotional stress, which can trigger a whole host of health issues. The problem occurs when the fight or flight response is constantly triggered. This response causes the body's sympathetic nervous system to release stress hormones such as cortisol. And having cortisol pumping through our bodies on a regular basis is really detrimental to our health. Among other things, it increases our blood pressure, interferes with clear thinking and digestion, and can make our hearts race and beat irregularly, and even disrupts our sleep. Worry is a futile practice, and while intellectually we know this, we've all been sucked into the vortex from time to time. Haven't you wished you could hit the delete button to stop your overactive imagination when you catch yourself worrying? This awareness is the first step in controlling worry. My best friend used to say, worrying is like rocking in a rocking chair. It'll keep you busy, but it won't get you anywhere. And I know in my own life, I would say 99% of the things that I have worried about have never happened. They've, they've never come true. So what do you believe is really behind the act of worrying? Well, you're right about that. Statistics show it's about 70% of what we worry about never even comes true. But I think the reason most people worry is because we feel out of control. We don't know what else to do in a situation that's concerning us. Our human desire to be in control leads us to feel anxious, and the anxiety makes us worry, and suddenly things are spinning out of control. Sometimes in an attempt to find a solution, we suddenly begin to imagine all the bad things that can happen, and we start to worry about them because we feel out of control. There was a very difficult time in my own life when so many things were going wrong. I found myself steeped in worry, and that was just making things worse. I realized that I was worrying because I felt so out of control. 
I needed to find a better way to cope and transform this worry into something productive and calming. So then, what do you advise we do when we find ourselves, as you described, steeped in worry? Well, first, let's dissect the act of worrying just a bit. According to philosopher Lao Tzu, if you're depressed, you're living in the past. If you're anxious, you're living in the future. So, in order to worry, this means we need to be thinking about an event and imagining a future negative outcome. Worry takes us right out of the present moment. Many times, what we're projecting has not even come to pass, and yet we're giving it the energy of reality. From this perspective, it's easier to see how worry is often a self-inflicted state of fear and anxiety. While worrying from time to time is normal, I assure you there's a better way. Let's remember an important universal law. What you focus on expands, even if it's not what you want. Our subconscious minds are powerful manifestation machines. So let's use them to help bring about the circumstances and events we want to have happen, not to inadvertently amplify or bring us more of the things we don't want. So, for instance, if a loved one is in a dangerous situation, driving home in treacherous conditions maybe, or battling an illness, all the worry in the world cannot ensure a positive outcome for them, but it certainly has a negative effect on your physical, mental, and emotional health. What's the antidote? Well, again, I call attention to the creative power of the subconscious mind. Instead of worrying about a situation, which we've already established is predicting the worst, I invite you to refocus your attention in a positive, healing way. What would your experience be if you were to imagine the best outcome for the situation instead? Imagine or visualize the result you prefer and see it happening in your mind's eye. See your loved one arriving home safely and giving you a hug of relief or your loved one feeling better and getting out of bed with a smile. Hold the intention with focus, love, and the expectation of this being your reality. This process is more powerful than you realize. It counteracts worry. It occupies our frenzied minds. It neutralizes fear and encourages a calmer state of mind. And as a big bonus, we're now sending a positive intention their way instead of a negative one. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about Linda and her work, you can visit her website, livinginspiredcoaching.com. And as always, to hear more from Linda, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Linda. That's it for today's show. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Conversations with Joan, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided are the opinions of our guests and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on the site, listen to past shows on demand, read our digital magazine, take part in the book club, check out our team, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications, LLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver for the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.